This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. We have a new episode, everybody. Uh, this one, I'm not going to say it's quite interesting and slightly different, but it is very different. Uh, and interesting. And quite interesting, yeah. <laughs> well, we couldn't get there, could we? Uh, the, the main thing around this is this something, a, a motivation and driver for me and why I sort of really love what I do in this aspect is the behavioral side of things. Because, I mean, you could have all the money in the world, but you could still be unhappy. I like the quote, uh, freedom is not for the self, it's from the self. So you could you could have be a billionaire sitting in your private jet, have bad health, and not be happy. Um, so this that's what it's really about. It's like, do you do you find in our industry, Greg, it's quite hard to sort of give people that reassurance that hey, you should spend money, um, and then also deal with the, the greed side of things where they want more. I think it's uh, the, one of the driving forces for me in this business is not about being the financial guru. The, the the expert, the person with knowledge on everything, because no one could be that. It, mm. But it's about helping people to help themselves. It's about the almost the psychology of money. You know the the effect that money has on people. Uh, you could say the, the worst thing about the, something worse than having money is not having money, if you mm. like. Um, and people would probably understand that but actually that's not necessarily true because some of the happiest people in the world are people without money yeah they, they've got their act together they know what's important to them about their life and they're they're living their life and money is just something that smooths the path and in our society you do need money because uh, you can't do much without it yeah everyone wants to charge you for something uh, even um, the concept of um, paying it forward is something that's good in the movies, but you don't see it really in real life. <laughs> that uh, if someone does something for you and you think that's fantastic, um, you shouldn't be surprised when they then send you an invoice, <laughs> even if there was no agreement going forward. But so our society, as we see it in the western part of the world and in this country in particular is based on money. Uh, if you want to have a lifestyle, it's going to cost you a certain amount of money. Will that lifestyle make you happy or, or not? Well, actually, at the end of the day, it's up to you. Um, and someone like yourself, Ryan, or myself, can actually help people through that process. That's the, you know, we talk about making the invisible visible. It's about... Uh, understanding that if you want something and you're able to do it, you should enjoy that experience and and enjoy the moment. 
and not sort of beat yourself up. And uh, we have this wonderful person at our work, Fiona, who's mm. uh, the director of First Impressions. If you ever come and see us, you'll meet Fiona. And you ask her how she is today, and it will always be a positive, positive mm. statement, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm feeling superb. Superb, yeah. yeah, she does yeah. Sound like I'm that. just short of superb or something along those <laughs> yeah. lines. And you go, it, for her, it's not a cliche. It, it's it's True. her view of life. She gets enjoyment out of the moment and um, is not sort of um, burdened down that someone might have a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger income. Um, because actually, at the end of the day, there's always going to be someone with a bigger car, or a yeah. bigger house, a bigger income. This concept of understanding how people um, relate to money, the if you like the behavioural side of it, was something that Ryan mentioned when I first met him, and it was one of the reasons why I thought he'd be a young person that I think would have an outstanding future in the industry because he thinks beyond the you know what's on the balance sheet, so to speak. He thinks beyond how much you earn or how much you have. It's about thinking about what is it that's important about money to you, what's important about life to you. And if you can articulate that and then you then look at your resources, uh, there'll be a way that that can be um, connected. Mm. Because often we see people, and, and we've seen it in some of the questions that we've had, where People have had what I'd call a truckload of money. I mean, if you've got a million dollars sitting in the bank, that's a truckload of money. <laughs> and if you're unhappy, I don't know what's going to make you happy yeah. because you know that money does actually, despite what people say, it can buy you happiness. Mm. Because that money, uh, sensibly invested, can give you the certainty of a regular cash flow month in, month out, um, forever or forever, that being the length of time that you're on, on this earth. Well, surely that would make you feel good. Mm. You, know, you don't have any financial worries. You've got choice. You've got the financial freedom to do the things that you want to do. Um, a trusted advisor hopefully can articulate that to their client so that the client goes, oh, I am okay, aren't I? Um you know, I've got nothing to worry about, have I? In fact, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you've got two choices. You can get out of the right side of the bed or the left side of the bed, <laughs> can't you? The right side of the bed is the one where you get up and say, another great day to do things that I'm going to enjoy. Or you get out of the left side and say, oh, God, I'm still alive. Yeah. You know, how dreadful is that? Mm. There's, yeah, it's so common, like a... People, or Pitticus, he says, people don't suffer um, by a crisis but by the interpretation of it. So you think about an insecure and insecure person and a confident person walk down the street. One person looks at them. That's the same action that they received, two different interpretations, so the left or the right. And the insecure person takes that look to mean, hey, there's something wrong. What, have, have I got something on my face? The confident person takes that to mean, hey, they actually think I look good. So it's the actual interpretation mm. that you assign to the events themselves. There's also, um, just before you kick in, was when I was managing a team and helping them um, with charity, like to motivate them, one of the challenges they faced was 
um, pushing someone to donate because they felt they was imposing maybe the person financially might not be able to do it. So I try to look up a reason to justify that, and it was actually a study they did that found that an increase in your wages after the basic necessity doesn't increase happiness. Something that does, though, is the art of giving. So the actual telomeres on the end of your DNA, they actually rejuvenate. So that's the connective tissue in your DNA gets rejuvenated by through the act of giving. So it's, it's actually giving them to help you. Hmm. So it's quite interesting. So even with all this knowledge and people knowing they should live a fulfilling life, why do you think they still get fearful and want more money or think the external will solve all their internal problems? I suppose it, there's a number of reasons, isn't it? Maybe it's a cultural thing of where we come from. As, you know, New Zealanders are a blend. We're, we're uh, the mongrels of the of the world and that we all come from different cultural makeups. Mm. I think that's a huge strength. Yeah. You know, if you have a, a mongrel dog up against a pedigree dog, guess who will win every day of the week? The one without arthritis. Yeah, the, the mongrel dog. Eh? Yeah, because German the, you know, crumble. They've got it, and that's one of the you know, important parts of the New Zealand DNA. And and we get more and more immigrants coming to this country, and you know it's tough for them initially, but then their children move into uh, the New Zealand culture and intermarry, and I think the their offspring become you know part of what's probably been part of the New Zealand success story, and we should celebrate that and, and acknowledge it. Yet. Constantly, when you turn on the TV, there's all this negativity, and there's people who are constantly feel the best way of uh, getting ahead is someone to give them a hand out, mm. not a hand up. Um, and I find that a little bit frustrating, a little bit. And so, that's a is it a cultural thing? Is it something that's built into our education system? Um, you know, maybe one of the best things that we can teach at school is not only the three R's, but self-reliance. Yeah. You know, getting young people to feel confident about that they have a place in the world and they are of value and they can be of value. It's, it's an odd thing, but in the military, the military have got this funny way of somehow finding a job that you are good at. Um, we've all heard of the stories about, you know, the military going and basically... You, they just throw you your uniform and it might or might not fit. And in theory, you're supposed to swap it with a guy in the, in the, in the bunk next to you till you get it right. Um, and they kind of dumb you all down. But actually what they do in basic training is they kind of bring everyone down to a common denominator so no one's special. Yeah, We're all the same, uh, but we're part of a team. But in that team... Uh, a bit like, I suppose, the team of five million, which really isn't that much of a team. It could be, but and it should be, but I, I think we've got a fair way to go. Yeah. But in the military, you know that you are reliant on the, the person next to you because that's the person who will have your back when things turn pear-shaped. So they break you down to a common denominator, everyone's the same, and then you learn that you've got aptitudes or skills or something. And it doesn't matter what it is, uh, they'll try and get you to be good at that one or several things. Mm. And that builds confidence, it builds self-reliance. Mm. And you often see people who've had a military background are a lot more self-assured, uh, they're more confident, um, 
you know, they they perhaps have a, a belief that, you know, they can do things. Yeah. And we we all should be like that. It's interesting when you relate it back to money and to financial matters that uh, one of the real pleasures I get out of this role is when I'm seeing a couple, you know, for example, Bob and Mabel. Mm. Um, they've come in to see me. They're getting close to retirement. They probably might be over 65. They might be under 65. Um, Mabel is worried about the, the future because she just, you know, you know, she's often probably the person paying the bills and just wonders what's going to happen when Bob's no longer in paid mm. employment. Uh, she may be working as well, but generally of that that generation, it would be part-time work and may have stopped at some time before. Um, Bob is just, you know, he goes to work. He doesn't necessarily enjoy his job. Um, he does it because he's always done it and he feels this kind of responsibility that mm. if I'm not bringing money into the household of somehow let the side down and this couple uh, are probably fearful of what would happen if this income that Bob brings in stops and what we're able to do in setting them sitting these people down Bob and Mabel going through the process of asking the questions of look if you could live anywhere that you wanted, where would that be? If you could do anything that you wanted to do, what would that be? Um, you know, what's important about uh, money in your life? Um, what's the role of money? Um, and you kind of dig down and not only are you looking at their vision, but you're looking at their values. Mm. And then you can go and say, if you knew that you had enough money to be financially independent or secure or not to worry, would that be something that would be of value to you? And they always say yes, mm. because you're, you're actually listening and, and giving back to them the things that they've given to you. And then what you do is you start looking at their resources and breaking it down, because a goal is something that has to be able to be quantified. And what I always try and get down to is how much money do you really want or need? And that can be a bit different from time to time. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, um, if you can come up with a figure that everyone's comfortable with, for example, if I said to Bob and Mabel and listening to them, looking at what money they spend or earn at the moment and said, look, if you could have $52,000 a year coming in, $1,000 a month, would you be able to do all the things you want to do? And if they go, yeah, we think we can, what we are able to do is to show them where that can come from and that Bob no longer has to go to work. Because, as I said, he may not be enjoying what he's doing. He may be having other things he'd rather do. Yeah. And Mabel, of course, uh, would like Bob to be happy and she would like to be happy, but she's a bit fearful Mm. of... Where will this money come from? And if you can show them that, you, you, it, it's quite amazing. It's like someone's just turned the light on yeah. in a dark room when they suddenly just get it and say, well, we don't have to work in paid employment mm. anymore. We can you know, travel if we want to, uh, clearly not this year, um, but we can uh, you know, upgrade the car. We can upgrade... Um, the furnishings in the house, the curtains, the carpet. And 
you know, that's quite empowering. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, the advisor is only basically able to work with the material they have on hand. They can't, they're not magicians. Mm. You're not a magician. No. I'm not a magician. It's there. These people have created it, but they can't see it mm. because they're right onto the coalface. They can't see the wood for the trees. And what you're able to do is take them back, listen to what's really important to them and connect them with the resources they've created and give them a plan and a path forward. And that's liberating for them, incredibly satisfying for the advisor. And that's what keeps me coming back to mm. work, you know, week after week, month after month. And you know, when someone asks me about retirement, I'm going, I'm kind of retired now. I'm doing what mm. I want to do. Um, I don't want to work as hard as I did 15 or 20 years ago to build the business. But I've got no interest in uh, selling up and moving away because it's it's about trying to get the life balance. Yeah. You know, that um, And even when people like Bob or Mabel stop paid employment, it's actually easier for Mabel. Women do this much better because they have many more interests. Yeah. And a lot of them centre around families, you know, children, grandchildren, various clubs or groups or whatever. Men it's so much harder for because they have been working and don't necessarily have that time for other uh, arrangements. I noticed that when my father retired, he basically had no other interests. And being as he had an accounting background, um, every club he wanted to or got near to wanted him to be the treasurer, and he didn't want to be the treasurer, uh, so he kind of didn't really connect. Um, and my mother got sick of him after a while and said, I married you for love, not for lunch, and sent him back to work. Mm. And he was happy because he wanted to work, but he wasn't working full time. He was doing stuff that he enjoyed because he enjoyed the interaction in the places he worked. And they travelled and they did stuff. And that was really good because they were doing things that their parents could never hope to have done. So one of the issues, of course, is that you were for Bob, encouraging him to do some of the things he's always wanted to do. It could be a, a hobby like um, old motor vehicles or it could be gardening or woodwork or it could be anything. Yeah. But you're now giving him, not permission, but giving him uh, an insight in that he can do this stuff. Mm. Because I think one of the things we can all agree on is that you're a long time dead. Yeah. So, you know, putting off things till tomorrow is not always the best answer. You've got to live for today oh, as for well sure. as plan for tomorrow. You can imagine what the world would look like if people did what they want, not what they had to do. You know, there's a combination of things. No matter if you love your job, like you still have to suck it up and, you know, turn up. But if you didn't have that strain or stress and you had that part of your life and that aspect of your life sorted, then it's, it's a liberating experience because it's like a, a self-inflicted prison. And they talk about fear as, as novelty. So something that appears new that you haven't actually immersed in is something that's scary. So the novelty of not working is scary. So if we if we make that more clear, then that that's quite a, a liberating experience for them. Well, I think that yeah, the advice is not always about money, is it? It's a more holistic sort yeah. of an 
arrangement, and I'm thinking to a client that you and I saw recently oh, yeah. who at uh, you know, age 60 has found that they've been made redundant, mm. and you know, they're, they're a little bit worried about that, as you would uh, would expect. But the reality is that they've got resources through savings over a, you know, a working life mm. that means that actually they could stop paid employment yeah. now, but they don't want to. Mm. But what we were able to all agree on is that maybe going forward um, that they do a different role than the one they've been doing for the last 15 to 20 yeah. years. Because one, they don't have to earn the amount of money they've earned in the past, which has helped them be in a in a reasonably comfortable uh, situation. Clearly, if they worked, this person worked through to age sixty five, they'd even be more comfortable at their current salary or what was their current salary. But they didn't need to do that. Mm. They could actually do all the things they wanted to do just by. Um, saying, well, from 60 to 65, I'll earn enough money to pay the bills. Um, my investment resources can continue to compound. Um, and when I hit 65, um, I'll be comfortably able to maintain a living, standard of living in excess of $60,000 a year, mm. uh, which is not bad for a single person. No. Yeah, and I, th- I think debt free. Yeah, ah, oh, that's a, a nice situation. Home. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think people slowly lose touch with what money really is. You know, it's it's a vehicle for doing the things you want to do, and I think we too commonly tie our self worth into the, the numbers. And and the question you always got to ask is, you know, okay, you want higher returns? Why? You want more pa- higher paid job? Why? Mm. You know, like you're not going to be lying in your deathbed wishing you spent more hours in a high paid job you don't like. Yeah. The, they often say, I've heard the story of you know, on the tombstone, I mm. wish I spent more time at the office. <laughs> the, but Remy, I agree with you. Money is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Mm. It's something that allows you to do the things you want to do. And you set that scale. And if you realize that you're setting the scale, that in itself is liberating and empowering because you can say, actually, you know, I don't have to spend $50 on a meal to be happy. I can, as we did today, go and find a, you know, a very nice meal for 10 to $15. Yeah, good which, salmon. Uh, which was fantastic. Mm. So uh, those are the choices that we make. We choose to be happy or unhappy. And um, if you know that you can control that from the point of view that you're your own master, um, that gives you a much better chance to be happy most, if not all, of the time. A bit like Fiona. <laughs> yeah, be more like Fiona, everybody. Yeah. But um, that's... <laughs> simply superb. Simply superb. It's not really... What is the one she uses? It's something like that. Yeah, I want to say stupendous, but no. Yeah, it is. It's, something, yeah, it's quite liberating. How are you doing, Fiona? Well, I'm just marginally short of superb. Yeah, it's something like this. A like like little that. setup. Yeah. My um, my one's consistently just oh pretty good, even if I'm great, even though perhaps we could encourage the listeners to ring Fiona. She's here from Tuesday to Friday, Friday yeah. and just say hello, Fiona. My name is. How are you today? Yeah, T- yeah. trial her out. Yeah. Um, the numbers at oneplan.co.nz dot nine something. Well, do you remember not off by heart? I don't. 
0930963680. How long have you been working here? Well, we're from the generation where uh, it's actually in your phone. You don't have to type it. Is that it's already right? safe. So Speed dialed. 0930963680. Yeah, Challenger. She'll like One it. One plan for a time. Don't call it 7 p.m. because that doesn't count. No, because you get me. Yeah. Because the phone reverts to me and I won't be saying probably, oh, I'm marginally sort of superb. I'll say, how can I help you? Or who's this? Who's this? <laughs> why, why are you, you ringing me at 7 o'clock? Yeah, you've got to go yeah. through the filter of like being nice because it could be someone and then also it's like telemarketer. No, I don't. Look, my clients ring me at 7 o'clock in the evening or 7 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. Because these are people that they seem to like me and I certainly like them. So yeah, it's not a problem. True. I will call me 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. Slight tweak. So if Greg's, Greg's asleep at 10 a.m. Yeah, Ryan's not a morning person. No, no, don't try him in the morning. Well, on that note, that behavioral side of things, um, it is important. I mean, uh, as we close up, I mean, it's a what's the point of living life if you're living it for other people? You know, it's about understanding what you want and you, why are you waiting to live? Well, just following through on that, though, a little bit, you know, we often, when we meet new people, they're wanting constant reassurance. They want to know, you know, you know almost on a daily basis, how the market's doing. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, uh, and they can get fixated by the numbers. So it, it takes a little bit of education and a little bit of trust to try and get people to look beyond the numbers. So when you get a report and it's up by 3%, uh, there's no need to be overjoyed because just if you get a report and it's down by 3%, there's no need to be suicidal. Mm. It just is what it is. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, if you have a plan that you know has been properly put together, and you have confidence in the people that you're dealing with, you don't sweat the small stuff. And at the end of the day, most stuff is small stuff. Mm. You know that that $500,000 sensibly invested will fund $30,000 a year, inflation adjusted for 25 to 30 years. That's $2,500 a month. Mm. If it's 250000 it's going to be 15000 If it's a million, it'll be... 60,000. So the, the numbers just follow the numbers. Mm. Um, the key to it is knowing what your numbers are and having the confidence when you get sane, sound, sensible advice to follow it. Yeah. I mean, hand-holding is a huge part. I mean, the part I enjoy the most is the fact that you're a trusted advisor that's independent from the family or friend situation where they're saying they have a milestone in their life and they want someone to call or talk to or be supportive or they're worried about the markets and and you're just there so they, they don't necessarily make an impulsive decision. So anyone that's uh, hoping to not make an impulsive decision, uh, by all means send an impulsive question because I'd love to answer it. <laughs> at ryan at oneplan.co.nz, R-Y-A-N at O-N-E plan, P-L-A-N.co.nz. And yeah, that free toolkit in the description, click it. Free stuff. Learn. And uh, thanks again to Jordan Greville for the audio.